After college, I took a bus to Maine and walked for four months. Um, I was out of shape. I had too much in my pack. I kind of planned it too quickly. I put a lot of pressure on my parents to follow through. They did. They were great. Yay. Um, But I didn't know where I was going. I was used to to hiking in the wonderful um, Texas State Parks trails, which have wonderful signage everywhere. You know where they are. You know where you're going. You know how long it's going to be. I get into the middle of Maine, and I just kind of walk south. That's about it. Um, then you get tired and exhausted, and you just go to sleep where you're standing, and you keep on walking. Um, but Okay, there should be a... Is there a picture, Annie? Okay, so that is a picture of a blaze. You may not be able to see it. They're really kind of hard to see. Um, it's this white stripe right there. It's about two inches wide, about six inches tall. And that is what's supposed to guide you the entire Appalachian Trail. It's like that. Um, and they're supposed to happen every 100 yards or so. That's theoretically. There's a lot of or so. Um, the, whole, the whole trail is 2,100 miles from Maine to Georgia. And each section has a volunteer that looks after and a team of volunteers. And, you know, as, as anybody who's worked with a volunteer organization, some volunteers are there every day, bright and early. Some, God bless them, are... <laughs> bless their hearts, they are... <laughs> they're doing the best they can. And so um, some, of the tra- some of the section of the trail is very well blazed and well trod, and others, and especially in the northern woods of Maine. So think about... So th- let's start thinking about the wildlife in Texas. You have wildlife in Texas, and so you have some game trails. But the wildlife in Texas are pretty small. Like, white-tailed deer can be kind of big, but they, they have a small profile. Bobcats, coyotes, they're small. So game trails in Texas are pretty narrow. And so it's good for a kid. It's easy for a kid to, like, run through the trail and lose their parents behind them. But it's trickier for, like, a hu- normal-sized human does not easily move through a game trail. Now, imagine a game trail where there's moose. <laughs> they're setting a wide swath <laughs> and so it's pretty easy and then you can imagine like birch trees around with that white bark oh. and so it's easy to see from oh like that's a blaze that's a, that's a blaze and you're walking along and you like come to a cliff and I'm like this is <laughs> this is not going anywhere um, but you get used to looking for the blazes you can do I think the next slide shows and then so to turn there's two blazes um, which again sometimes really clear, sometimes not so clear. Sometimes they painted it last week, sometimes it was 10 years before it was painted. Um, But you get the idea, when you see, when I got used to hiking, I was like, every time I saw a blaze, I was reassured. There was this confirmation. I knew I was going the right direction. When you're in a strange place doing a strange thing, you need to be confirmed that you're going the right direction because all your instincts are off. Most of us have routines, have lifestyles, have things that we normally do and we're used to seeing. When we go to a strange area, when we do a strange thing, we need to be confirmed so that we can keep on going. Moses' life plan did not include going to Egypt and talking to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. That was not part of his, his goals in life. In order to, for Moses to fulfill his call, he needs God to confirm it for him. Moses needed a sign to know that he was going the right way and doing the right thing. 
My friends, we are continuing our series on the book of Exodus, on this foundational story of faith. How God hears our cries. How God calls us out. How God breaks our chains and God sets us free. Last week we spoke about how God calls us out, called Moses out to go speak to Pharaoh and calls each of us out for our own purpose in this world. Today we are going to look at how God confirms that call. And it all begins with a dot. Didn't think you'd get a nice whiteboard presentation today, did you? (laughs) Okay. So a lot of times, just here's the dot. Imagine that is you, okay? That is each of us. We're each this dot. See? Yay. Okay. You can go in any direction, right? Any direction. There's no, that's, it sometimes seems like we have unlimited possibilities. You can be anything you want when you grow up. Okay. So, yeah, that's fine. Um, but then you get, you know, then life hits you, right? And life usually doesn't keep us in stasis. Nobody is really ever in stasis. Um, it's kind of this nice little myth. And so there's like, you get all these pressures of life pushing you in all sorts of different directions. And they're pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. And this is, this is what happens in each of our lives. And this is what, you know, what happened. We talked about with the people in Israel. They were crying out to God. They're being pushed in all these directions. They're in, being oppressed. They're in slavery. There's all this stuff going on. And so they call out. Wonderful marker I picked today. Um, and so God hears their call. God hears their call. Okay, we're still the dot. And God sends them on their path. So we have, we have a straight line, Right? So a straight line is kind of helpful. It's like, okay, we, we know some kind of direction. But the problem with a straight line, if you, if you can think back to your high school physics with vectors, like it could go this way or it can go that way. When, when you're on a trail, you could go each direction. You need another point of reference to make sure you're going in the right way. You need something, some kind of sign. The more points of reference, the better that help and remind you that you're going in the right way. I find this super helpful. It made this kind of like a look like a Google graph. I realized I got this big whiteboard and I just wrote in the very center. <laughs> but that kind of thing. We need confirmation to know we're going in the right way. And a super important thing is to remember that our call, our crying out, nothing happens in isolation. The idea that we are a single dot is one of the greatest myths of the modern world. The idea that we are isolated atoms, that we are isolated islands, apart from everything else. It's a myth. It's not true. God calls and confirms Moses and with Aaron, with the people, with his family. God calls and confirms each of us with the people in our life. Exodus 5, the chapter before our reading today ends with Moses feeling like a failure. It didn't work. He tried. He tried. He went to Pharaoh. He did what he was told to do. He followed that path. He went point A to point B. He heard the path. He heard the, the call on Mount Sinai. And then he went to, to Egypt, where Pharaoh was. And he said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has said, I will free my people, let my people go. And Pharaoh was just like, nah, that's not going to happen. And, and Moses was really confused because God, he saw this burning bush. He saw these signs. He knew that this was like he changed his life around and then it just didn't work. He was on this path 
and it wasn't as straight a line as he wanted to. So he basically gives up. Oh, Lord, why did you send me? I wasn't qualified for this. I don't speak the language well. I'm, I'm just a shepherd. You have, and you have done nothing to deliver your people. You left me out there, God. You left me out there without anything. And this is where the full confirmation to Moses occurs in chapter 6. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, God says. Indeed, by a mighty hand, he will let them go. By a mighty hand, he will drive them out of this land. Say, therefore, to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. I think it's this really beautiful passage, this beautiful passage of God's power and God's love. It moves me. It works on me. This is God. Yes, God is confirming the path for Moses. This is awesome. And yet, it is not enough for the people. If you remember from the last, last verse that Patty read, Moses told this to the Israelites. He was ready to share. Guys, I got great news. God is still with us. But they would not listen to Moses. Because again, they're broken spirit. And so, God confirms the mission again in verse 10. This will not be the last time. Over and over again, God confirms his mission. God confirms his calling to Moses. Moses is gifted and called and brilliant, but he needs a little confirmation. He needs a little assurance. It's not just one point of reference. He needs a whole path of reference. He needs lots of reference getting him to where he is going, reminding him, because it's so often he goes this direction, has to pull back, goes this direction, has to pull back. So often we can be taught or be deceived into thinking that when we have doubts, when we have misunderstandings, when we're unsure of ourselves, that points to weakness. (coughs) That we should be bold and confident always, no matter what. When that is not the God revealed in the scriptures. As Paul says, when we are weak, we are strong. When we are weak, we are ready to receive God in our life. When we are sure of ourselves, we are less likely to hear God. When we put on that front of, of confidence, of, of almost arrogance, we, it's hard to listen. It's hard to hear other voices in our life. We tend to deceive ourselves again in thinking we are that dot without these other interests, without these other forces. When we are sure of ourselves, this is, I think, is a good translation of when Pharaoh hardens his heart. So over and over again in the book of Exodus, it says Pharaoh hardens his heart or God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And I think a way to read that is that Pharaoh was sure of himself. Pharaoh was really sure of himself. And whenever he got confused, whenever he didn't know what was going to happen, he went back to the lodestar of his life that he is awesome. So every decision could go back. What is the most important thing, Pharaoh? It is that you are cool. Yeah. And then he would make a decision based on that. Every time Moses waffled, every time Moses was unsure of himself, he returned back to the lodestar of his life, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who made promises to his fathers and mothers and will keep the promise to him. Jesus, as well, confirms to his followers in myriad of ways that he is the Son of God. He does this through healing. He does this through 
through exorcisms of the demons. He does it through teaching God's word. The gospel reading for today is from the Sermon on the Plain in, in the Gospel of Luke. And it's kind of juxtaposed often with Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. It's very similar, but a few key differences. One of the major ones is that Jesus is much more explicit about the bad direction people can go in in Luke. That is, with the, with the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Plain, we see a life of following Jesus. We see that that life is going to look different than a life of following the world. Blessings come in different places. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you that hunger. Blessed are you that weep now. The hungry, the poor, and the crying. These are not markers of worldly success. When you're poor, hungry, and crying, this is not people are like, That's, I want to be like that when I grow up. And yet this is who Jesus lifts up. Luke goes on. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. Woe to you when people speak well of you. One way of reading this is to see that Jesus is telling us not to give up if we are poor or hungry or crying. That that is not the end of us. As well, not to feel like we've accomplished everything if we are rich and full and people think we're awesome. That is not the world that God dreams of. We're called as individuals to something more. We are called as people to something more. And we are not only called, we are confirmed in this. Later on in the book of Exodus, after the people see the fi- or flee through the Red Sea, they are guided by a pillar of fire by day, by night, and by a pillar of smoke by day. As well, God does not take them the most direct path through the promised land. Rarely does God take us directly to our purpose. I mean... So let's, I'm going to do a map. This is great. I've never had this up here before, a sermon. <laughs> it was dangerous. All right. So this is my picture of, there's Sinai in Egypt. Okay. So, and then it kind of just drifts up there. This is really, yeah. Okay. Yay. It's the yay place. They're trying to get there. Um, so instead of going like this, like that's not the direction. As the crow flies, the people don't go as the crow flies, Right. God goes like, yeah, 40 years in this little peninsula. Okay? That's a long time. So often, I think, at least speaking for myself, I feel like Moses, that if I get something directly and it doesn't happen, I feel like I've wasted my time. And if there's any kind of hindrance at all, it's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? What is going on? But this is not the way that God works with us. This is not the way that God calls us and that God sends us. God does not send to just take care of things immediately. God is not a God of efficiency. That's a worldly concern. <laughs> if God, you know, God, efficiency is not the primary purpose of being the triune God. <laughs> God is so often about the inefficiency of love. The inefficiency of pouring oneself out for another. You think about the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a classic story of inefficiency. That you have the Levite who's going to Jerusalem, and he's being very efficient. You have the priest going to Jerusalem, being very efficient, taking care of their business, not being distracted by what is around them. And the Good Samaritan being very inefficient, not meeting the schedule, not getting all the paperwork turned in, not even just being late, 
being a few days late. He takes the guy and then stays with him to make sure he's okay. This is not an efficient God we follow because it is not efficient to love another person. It is not an, an efficient to open yourselves up to another. It is not efficient to hear that God may have something crazy in store for you. Rarely does God take us directly to our purpose. More often we are called and sent on a journey that forms us and prepares us to where we are going. It gives us purpose and fullness, even if it doesn't look like the fullness that the world praises. God can send us on journeys that look a lot more like the first part of the, of the Sermon on the Plain than the last part. Journeys that look a lot more like blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the crying, than woe to the rich. God can confirm God's will to us through a pillar of fire or through a voice in the clouds. And we should not discount this possibility. But there are regular means of confirmation. One way to understand this is what has been called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Now, if you grew up in Methodist church, that makes perfect sense. You're probably nodding, even though I can't see you. And um, it's another good, you know, it's like it's a good Methodist church thing. You take two words that no one other human uses and put them together. <laughs> it's like Wesleyan and quadrilateral. Like this gives us lots of time to explain things. I think John Wesley was a guy who liked to explain things to other people. So he used <laughs> confusing words anyway. Um, Wesley actually didn't create the quadrilateral. It was by a, a later scholar named Albert Outler. But I, it, I think it's helpful for this purpose, just as an exercise, an exercise of understanding a call. So how do we know we are doing what God would have us do? How can we confirm it? The first and most important part of the quadrilateral is through Scripture, through the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. It is to see that has God spoken through the Scriptures about this? Is this something God has asked others to do before? Is this something with the character of God revealed in the Old and New Testaments? Is this something that looks strange or looks like only strange to us in this world? Think about like a test case of someone quitting their job to go be a missionary. Like that might be one thing that you don't want to look at the scriptures for because you know pretty well it's going to confirm that that may be something that you need to do. But still, that would, be, that would be the idea of, okay, like maybe if you think that God is calling you to do something radical. Okay, let me look at the scriptures. All right, you look at the scriptures. Yeah, God calls people from crazy places. Maybe there's another way that I can see that this is not God's will. <laughs> so then we look at tradition. Now, tradition is not just like what is stodgy and old. <laughs> that is really important. Um, traditio literally means what is passed down. So if you think about everybody, you know, everybody has parents, and you think about the things your parents taught you. And some of them were great, and some of them were not as amazing as the other things. Um, and so you think about what, are the, what, is, what do you wish to pass down to the next generation, whether your children or someone else's? What is some insight? What is some hope? Not advice. Nobody needs advice. What is something that you can share <laughs> with them? What is something of faith that you wish to share with them? That is tradition. Tradition is realizing that we are not the first people ever to have to deal with a broken world. And that others before us has, have grappled with, with this. Maybe there is wisdom in that. Maybe God has spoken. Maybe God has answered this question before. 
in a way that I can see. And so we look there to acknowledge that God has spoken before. The next one is reason. Reason is not that we are this individual dot, this automaton, and just like grasping without logicking people or God. It's, does it make sense? Does this contradict who God is? Does this contradict the God I worship and praise and sing wondrous songs to? Is God, do I feel like God is calling me to do something that is against the nature of God? And realize that we have, we have been blessed with the ability to think that through. That we should not discount ourselves. We should not discount our minds. We should realize that sometimes something makes sense even if we don't want to do it. And last is experience. Now, experience is not just any experience you have in this kind of way. And that's one of the ways how it's often um, distorted when the quadrilateral is used. That when we talk about experience in this way, it is the experience of the Holy Spirit. Because the whole gamut of human experience can justify any action. Like, you can look at an experience and say, this is good, and the next person can say, this is bad. That's not the point. The point is not to use whatever your experience is to rationalize what you wanted to do anyway but to look at, has there been an experience of God with this in my life? Is this call, does this calling have some kind of power that is greater than myself? And these kind of conversations aren't just for individuals. That I, I have a friend who loves who's, uh, this great phrase of an internal call and an external call. And what happens so much in life is that we may feel like we have an internal call, but nobody sees the external call. Um, or... People see an external call and don't feel an internal call. And if there's not that melding, there can be a dangerous thing going on. This happens in ministry a lot with people who, are, who feel called to ministry, but don't have any external call. And, and churches may feel like, well, it's the, you know, I guess, I guess they're called and I don't want to be mean, which is understandable. I don't want to be mean. Who wants to be mean? Like, that's not a thing. Um, but, that, but it may be putting someone into a position that they're not called for and not ready for. And thinking through that, how can, we, how can we see together and discern together our life? Because again, we are not these individual automatons. Moses was not all by himself. Moses had Aaron. Moses had the other people with him. None of you are by yourselves. You are here together. Even if you came to church by yourself, you are not by yourself now. We are together, and we are here for you. Even if you don't know any other names in here, you are loved and welcome here. And if there is something going on in your life that you are confused or have doubts about or need to talk about, there are people here who will listen and love you. Moses needed to be confirmed. Jesus needed to be confirmed. Right before he's crucified, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and says, Lord, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. We are not weak when we are unsure. God can call us and send us to do something that seems crazy, that looks crazy to others. I mean, what is crazier in this world than turning your life around? What is crazier than, some, than a life of addiction turning into a life of hope? What is crazier than believing in a God who works wonders? What is crazier than not seeing yourself as the center of the universe? What is crazier than a shepherd becoming a prophet? Next week, the general conference begins. Something is going to happen. 
and it may be hard to see God's will at first. There are going to be news reports from places that have never used the word Methodist before. And they're going to say things, probably not in the most informed way, about debates that are happening, about discussions that are happening, about what a Methodist is. And I hope that we can seek confirmation together for where we are as a church and how best we can continue our mission in South Austin. Let us be patient. Let us be hopeful. Let us remember the God who heard the cry of the people in Egypt, the God who heard the cry of the people in Roman Palestine, the God who hears our cries this day. God has called us together for a purpose, and God will confirm that call, though it may not be on Wednesday. It may take a little time. And let us pray and hope together for a future together in purpose as children of God seeking love healing brokenness binding hearts together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen